there, and welcome to another edition of the 1% Better Podcast with your host, Rob O'Donoghue. Hey folks, welcome to another episode of the 1% Better Podcast, and this one is with a fellow Irishman, David Hennessy. So David is a BA in psychology. David, you're also a resilience specialist, something we talk about on the show a good bit is around resilience, stress management and areas that you have expertise in. You've also developed a technique that I'm very interested in learning about, and I'm sure those listening will be as well, called the wonder technique. And and finally, I suppose we connected through the, I think it was through the podcast that I put out with uh, Josh Quigley, and I think it mm-hmm, con- yeah. connected with you uh, a little bit as well. So, so first off, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for doing it. Hopefully, I give you a decent introduction there. Is there anything else you'd like to maybe kick things off with? Um, well, the one thing I can mention here to you, Rob, is something that happened just before uh, we actually uh, got together here on the podcast. And I have to thank you in advance again for this opportunity because it's, uh, it's a wonderful opportunity for me to share and to participate in the good work that you're doing. And you mentioned correctly, yes, uh, I listened to the podcast that you had with Josh Quigley and uh, kind of got a really good sense of the way you approach dealing with people and that is something I really value because it comes across to me very clearly that you're a very good listener and uh, able to see what's important in the conversation so I'm looking forward to this and what I mentioned something that just happened actually about uh, half an hour ago I went out to get some fresh air which is uh, a simple and straightforward secret technique to really keep your brain going just went out to get some fresh air here and I live in, in the south of France so it's still bright and uh, as I was walking by my car on the way in here, I noticed that um, some birds had flown by and they'd left their mark, shall we say, on the car. And then I noticed that somebody had hit the car. And mm. uh, since the car is quite new, uh, you know, I was like, okay. And the vehicle that had hit it obviously was a white vehicle because there's white on top of the red car that I have. And I mean, it's not easy to, I mean, it's hard to kind of hit my car because it's a mini, okay? You know, it's, right. not, it's not like it's a big object. But someone had hit it, and I was like, okay, all right. So I felt the natural experience that everybody does when it comes to stress. You feel anxiety coming up, uh, you know, tension, a bit of anger, like, you know, I don't see a note on the car. What happened here? Why did somebody say nothing? Mm-hmm. And then I said, well, okay, what can I do about this? So I went back home. I got some water and a rag and went back to the car and said, okay, let me see. Let me assess the damage here. And I rubbed it and it uh, didn't come off. Uh, I... Clearly, there's a there's a memory now on the car, and all I could do was accept it and uh, smile. And then I remembered, um, as I, you know, being in, in France here, I see things differently. I've lived in Ireland, I've lived in Canada, and in France, uh, you know, it's the only place in the world that I've ever seen expensive cars, like really expensive cars, like a, a Lamborghini Aventador with like tape on the side, on the bumpers, holding it on, literally. Like you could imagine that this vehicle's expensive, but someone's banged into it and the person says, well, I've had enough. These people keep on banging into it. And I, I used to, to live in, in Nice. And in fact, uh, notoriously, I would see vehicles being, people would move back and forth and bump the car so they could get out of a parking space. And I kind of coined the phrase that I show you every people, that's the real French kiss because the cars are kissing each other as they go to leave the parking spot. So... But uh, what came to me in that uh, whole story was is that kind of looked at myself. I like to look back on when I have experiences and see how do I manage those moments in time. And I think over time, because life has presented me, like many people, many different things that are stressful, once you learn the habits of how to deal with it, the time that it takes to manage the stress goes down. Like now it's a half an hour since then and it's passed. I just accept, accept what happened move on with things. Some people may have something happen and it could be as simple as what happened with the car and they may go on with them for an hour, a day, a week, they be talking about friends and every time they see the car they get a bit of anger. To me, you have to be able to manage those things so they don't take over your life. And I think there's fundamental ways of dealing with that which we will get into in the conversation today because there's, there's many different things that can cause stress in our lives and I believe the world that we're living in is actually getting more and more stressful. So we need to have toolbox full of tools that we can apply very good yeah there's definitely uh, the opportunity to share some of those tools in this conversation and I, I think it's probably ironic in a way that that happened just before you were going to come on to talk about this so it's really testing your ability to be uh, oh, yes. resilient <laughs> in the re- oh, yes. real-time resilient test yes, here sir. 
<laughs> did you plan this? Did you send somebody over? Uh, no, no, <laughs> not uh, certainly not that uh, that devious. But um, <laughs> nature, the universe is probably trying to test you out a little bit. Oh, um, indeed. Yes. No, great story to start with, David. So, so the whole area just on that, and I, I can certainly connect with that idea of being completely thrown off and it lingering for not just hours potentially days and i remember similar you bringing up a memory for me getting my own car i had a new car about five or six years ago i was going visiting somebody in a hospital came out and the front wheel had been literally kind of crashed off it in a hit and run and uh, i know that bothered me for weeks uh, even though it got fixed and it was insurance covered it but just those things that really outside your control stress you out and can be difficult other things like the whole recession and that that happened you know in 2008 in ireland is other things that always brings up those sort of uh memories for me that things were bad for a long time and didn't have that ability to respond or to bounce back quickly over the last few years i've definitely got way better at it and things like that bother me for much shorter periods of time now and hopefully generally they happen less frequently so how did how did you start making those changes uh, in your own life or how did I suppose, the whole area of stress management resilience become a focus for you? Ooh. I don't think the podcast is long enough and if I don't have the capacity to be so brief, but to be very honest with you, originally it started a very long time ago um, when I was a teenager. My dad actually, he gave me a book uh, on personal development by Dale Carnegie and caught my attention for maybe five minutes, Robin, and I, as a typical teenager, I paid no attention to it. But somehow it must have captured my mind and interest because then when I ended up uh, leaving school, a bit of a zigzag way, I ended up uh, in uh, psychology, learning psychology in Canada because I moved uh, as a teenager from Ireland. And I got my interest, my attention to, you know, seeing problems, how can, how can complex things be made simpler? And, you know, little things, one of the things I learned, it may sound out of context, but in my mind, I learned from social psychology is like we have the light in the back of cars. We have that third light, the one in the middle, or it's up high or up low, depending on where it is. Well, psychologists had noticed that if they put a light higher up in cars, people could see it from a distance behind. Okay. Mm. And this would prevent accidents. This was discovered in the 1970s. And yet it didn't become law, I believe, in Canada. I don't know when it came on in Ireland until 1986. And I, I talked to some of my professors who were I would classes like real geniuses, very, very smart people who were just, just tons of information. And I started to look at what kind of things in psychology that exist do we need to actually bring out into the everyday world faster. And one of the conversations I had with my dad as I moved on in, in age was the importance of finding simple ideas that help create healthy living habits that people of all ages could use, Rob. Mm-hmm. And and that was always in the back of my mind, but I, literally when it first started, I had no idea how I was going to put this all together. And then actually what happened was is that a, a very close friend of mine had cancer, actually had two bouts with cancer. And what happened was is I, I stopped working. It sounds like a, a foolish decision and probably was at the time, but for a good reason. And I spent time with her traveling around to her medical appointments and when she was going to the appointments, uh, I was kind of helping her understand the complexity of what's being shared with her and formulate some habits, some ways to apply what she was learning. Because she not only was going through the stress of the cancer, but she, you know, that stress was there. But then you've been told all these different things by doctors and specialists and nutritionists, like, how do you manage that when you're already in a condition of stress? And I found out that from her and then from other people that she spoke to over time that I seem to have an act to make things simple. And I always had a very curious mind. I mean, I can, I can tell you a story about when I tried to kill myself when I was younger, <laughs> if you want to hear that. Okay, <laughs> okay. but not, not, not in an extreme way, it was okay. because I've always been very curious. Right. And I took apart an electrical light when I was a young boy to try and figure out how it works. Okay. It's still plugged in. Right, so, so it's still plugged in into the socket in the wall, right? Yes, okay. and I managed to give myself a, a good shock that I shot halfway across the room, so I learned not to do that action again. Okay. But my curiosity from a very young age was to try and figure out how things work mm-hmm. and then how to kind of apply them. So when I got deeper and deeper into psychology, 
uh, and more than just psychology into physiology and everything, I wanted to see, well, there must be fundamental things that people need to know. Why do we seem to be so stressed in this world? Why are we getting more stressed? Why are people having so many challenges? So that's that came from a young age. But it's, mm. it's, uh, very interested in the what you mentioned around social psychology there and that whole idea around the, the lights in the car. What other things kind of did you identify there from talking to your dad as well that we should bring into more the mainstream into into what everybody should know? Is there other things coming up? Yes, actually there is because there's a lot of talk that at that time many people would talk about affirmations and saying positive taunts to yourself. But for many, many different people that's doesn't work, and I think there's a simple reason why that doesn't work, Rob. Um, it does work, but it has to be applied in a certain way. And I'm going to give you a little story that goes to that, and thank you for giving me this opportunity. Have you ever heard the phrase in English, every day, in every way, I'm feeling better and better? Have you ever heard that? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you the origin of that, because I found this out years later. The origin of that phrase was actually in French, and even though I do speak French, I will not attempt on this podcast to, to translate that exactly, right. but it was originally by a doctor called Emilia Coué. Emilia Coué was a French doctor, and he used to work with his patients to help heal them by using his own medical techniques, but also by using coaching, is what we call it nowadays. Mm -hmm. And one of the phrases he used to teach to people was that phrase. OK, right. now, Kui seemed to know something that not everybody knew. And this is the key thing. He knew that there was a certain time of day that our brains are much more susceptible to learning. OK, and I share this with people in my in my seminars a lot and, and, and they can identify with this. And hopefully your good listeners that are taking the time to listen will see this. When we wake up in the morning and just before we go to sleep at night, there's that kind of foggy feeling. Do you ever have that feeling where it's kind of like you feel kind of hazy? Yeah. So it, it, like, is this absolutely? And is it part of your circadian rhythm, I think, is it called, or is that something separate? Yes. No, this is part of what is happening is you're in everyday living when we're moving around and talking, and I assume both of us are, we're in what's called a beta phase right now. Right. Okay. So in that phase where you're kind of coming out of sleep, you're in alpha. And, and it's a state where your mind is very open. Now, this is actually, you know what? If, if, if I can touch a listener with this, this one concept is enormously powerful. Mm -hmm. So bear with me. Kuei, I guess, intuitively noticed because he would talk to his patients first thing in the morning and the last thing at night. Okay? And what has happened is you're much more receptive. Now, the danger here, this is why you have to be the guard at the door of your mind. This is the phrase I like to use. You've got to be the guard at the door of your mind. Because... If you last night, last thing before you go to bed, you, you watch the news or you have an argument with somebody and it's unresolved or something stressful and you're, you're already a bit sleepy, you're going to take that into your sleep. And we won't, won't talk about sleep right now, but we'll talk a little bit more about the regenerative power of sleep. But if you're taking a negative experience in, it's not good. If first thing in the morning, something when you're just waking up, you turn on the radio, you listen to the news, there's another bombing or a terrorist attack, you take that deeper into your subconscious mind than you normally would during the day. Kui seemed to know that. Like at that time, this was in the 1800s. It's, you know, there wasn't information about this. But nowadays, when people talk about you know affirmations and everything, there's a lot of stuff that's going on about time, just like there is in the area of managing your foods, where it's not just about the quality of the food, but the time of when you eat. So um, Jose Silva, you may know this. I'm leading from Mila Kui to Jose Silva. I went a little bit deeper on this, and Jose Silva actually brought out a program. And this must be 20, 30 years ago, pardon me if I'm wrong on the dates, he brought out a program where you could actually listen to, you know, positive affirmations, but he created a cassette tape at that time. This was a long time ago, as you can imagine. Uh, I found this in the research where you would actually bring your brain down into the alpha state. Okay. At any, okay. At any stage of the day, is During it? During the day, yes, okay. you could do this. Now, I mean, I'm a great believer in using the mechanics that our body is there because somebody, you know, someone was trying to teach their body to do this and maybe it's not the right timing. But so we already have that naturally happening. So, I mean, I, I play with this. OK, I, I, I use this in my own life and I have done this for a long time because I understand there's a pressure song um, in the morning, in the evening. But Silva brought this out. And now over time. You know, I don't see so much of that going on right now, but there you'll probably hear about subliminal stuff and that. But. I, I don't think everybody who, when they talk about, you know, affirmations is actually consciously aware of that there's an important timing 
And we, we are built a certain way as humans. We haven't changed for thousands and thousands of years. So we have to work with the fundamental system that we have to be more effective. And to, you know, for somebody to say to me, I can exist without water, I would say to them, good luck. Because we've always needed water in our bodies. Mm -hmm. So there's many things. So that's just a little bit of a taste. So that's what came to mind when you asked me okay. the question. And uh, great respect for, for Emilia Cui. I love I love learning new stuff myself on this show. That's one of the main reasons I do it. If nobody else listens to any of them, I uh, I learn a lot from it. But that's something new for me and that I know of, obviously, you know, they say the first piece of the morning, first last piece of the night. I've heard that before. I didn't know, you you know, I, like I tended to try and meditate first thing in the morning as soon as I splash water into my face and kind of then sit down and do that so I can spend that time before the brain cranks up and those thoughts come in and, and you know already in a rushing state is, is there the science behind it is, is there like a, a a set is there any kind of guideline or average window of time where you're susceptible to that affirmation is it like a minute two minutes or does it vary? Is there anything detailed? That's a very good question. That is a very good question. I don't have a specific answer to that. Okay. I will say that it's a feeling that you actually, you can feel that you're in that experience. Mm. I don't know if you, I, I learned actually um, when my children were younger, I, I learned to actually train myself to go asleep because my, when you have children, um, you can't always uh, yeah. you know, choose when you're going to go to sleep. So I trained myself. And then I, I kind of hooked in through something that's uh, many of the listeners may be aware of. It's called anchoring from neuro-linguistic neuro programming, where when I started to get that feeling of, you know, kind of this hazy fogginess that I was going to go asleep, I would hook it so that I could bring it back, so to help me go asleep when I needed to sleep. And, and I think that most of your listeners, you know, if they experiment, and this is where you kind of find yourself along that path, you know, they probably already know that feeling when they're waking up and they're going to sleep. If you lie down, uh, you kind of feel that you're kind of dozing off. And this is, you know, so so they can identify it within themselves. Um, and I, you know, and I'm not a great believer in a lot of stuff when people talk about hacking the human system. I think that there's certain things that exist and we just have to go with that flow by identifying it. So um, I don't have, no, I don't have a particular zone. I think people will feel it. Yeah. They really do. No, that sounds good. And I think what I heard as well, similar, the, the, you know, the power of having a nap during the day. Yes. Do you kind of touch onto that, that space as well when you're going through naps, do you think? Um, you, can, you can identify it and you can use it because actually, um, do you mind if I jump around? <laughs> Go for it. Yeah, it's okay. wide open. Um, when we talk about the wonder technique, one of the things uh, later on when I talk about the importance of sleep and resilience, uh, primary sleep and rest, is something I discovered about Thomas Edison. And I actually have a photograph of Thomas Edison that I, that's from the American Library. And this photograph shows Edison asleep. And he's not, he's not asleep at home, Rob. He's asleep on his workshop bench. Yes. He's lying down on the bench. You may have seen this picture. You could probably Google it and find it. A little plug in there from Google. But uh, what happens is, is that when he had a problem that he was trying to solve, he would think about the problem he would sew it in his mind, and then he would go have a nap. Okay, you might have heard this before, but this is extraordinarily powerful. So you can, when you're, you have that window of opportunity to dip into your subconscious mind, which is infinitely more powerful than our, you know, our conscious mind that we're using every day. It's kind of like the long-term memory system that we have on a computer compared to the short-term RAM. And you can only do a certain amount in the RAM, just like we, you know, we can carry like phone numbers originally that were just maximum six to nine digits because of our short term memory. We'd only be able to remember a certain amount of digits. Now, of course, with the smartphones, you know, the phone number can be super long, doesn't matter. But when we used to remember the phone numbers, it had to be within a range that humans could actually easily remember. And so that's because of our short term memory. So this, this identifying certain things, that's kind of like social psychology again, is that we, we, we look at things that function in human beings and we bring it into everyday life and say, okay, well, it works. This is why in the Wonder Technique, I decided that okay, one of the best ways to teach people healthy living habits is to be explained to them and motivate them. You know, this is why you would want to engage in this practice and then to give them the tools, the habits, the images, the acronyms that they could actually engage and that it could work regardless. You know, I could share it with a parent, they could go home and share it with their children, they go home and share it with their parents, so that it was across the range. And so I think it's very, very important to make the complex simple. Yeah, 
Brilliant. We will definitely get into it a little bit more very soon. But I suppose one of the things, uh, as we were kind of talking about your your learning and your life experiences that kind of led up to this, it, it's obvious from talking to you, you're very passionate about this whole area. And from an early age, that seemed to be the case. Talk me through maybe the, the months, the years leading up to the the creation of the Wonder Technique and what maybe things stood out for you that kind of led you towards that development. Okay. In, in, and again and again in yes. in uh, not in uh, for, for the sake of everybody and yourself included not to not not a, a, a detailed step by step what are the kind of standout moments of it as you said before the, the conversation started I think you you could probably spend a few hours on every letter yes. of the acronym so indeed simply put I you know what I was traveling a lot um, after actually you know what I will say that the lady that had cancer twice she did recover it wasn't because of me but I was involved I, I won't take credit for for that there was lots of people involved and then I decided to go away traveling and when I went traveling I was away for 13 months backpacking I really really enjoyed being in nature and hiking and that but I found a deep urge to kind of formulate the ideas that I had applied and to crystallize the information that I learned over the years from my schooling, from my life experience, Rob. So I returned to Canada where I was living at the time and literally I, I started writing and started making notes and I had organized the information that I had into groups of information. And then I started to kind of say, well, how can I make this easier for it to share with people? I'd already done some seminars, but I knew that it was a bit like chaos because I, I didn't know how to formulate and make the information easy for me to remember, to make it easy for other people. So I literally sat down on the floor um, over a period of days and I had piles of notes and I was looking for a word. And actually originally, um, because part of one of the things I share uh, is is using a tool called a rainbow. I thought maybe the word could be rainbow because there's a W in rainbow and there's a W in the wonder technique and the W is all about the importance of water. And, and that didn't work. So I eventually kind of, I really literally fell on top of the idea of the word wonder, which is a beautiful word, very simple. Everybody enjoys it, very positive and upbeat. And all the information that I knew in very much a holistic approach by creating healthy living habits fit within that. So that's how it arrived. It literally, I, I felt impetuous inside me to f- simplify the information, and then, then I was, I was good to go. Okay, that's a, that's a while ago, but I'm yeah. making it as short as David can. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's 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 a perfect little in ex- explanation of of it. And I guess the question I'm asking, and it's probably the wonder of it, is what what is it all about? Maybe let's go through it and break it down. And obviously, if there's actionable pieces of information that people could take on board from hearing your story around it that'd be great okay um it's, as as mentioned before the wonder technique is 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 a basic acronym that i created and i will go through it step by step with each letter i will say that nothing is in isolation i really look at things as holistic so nowadays when i see people talk about the importance of sleep yes it's really important but not in isolation there's many things that impact it yes exercise is really important but not in isolation and and i I think we really need to embrace that at many different levels so as an overview and this is really simple and this is the power of it uh, that i would share with people is that I will, I will say to everybody what the letters are, and then I will go down a little bit deeper, and I can go really deep, but I want to give people the surface. So you can literally start the day, and you can say, okay, today I have six habits I need to practice, and then at the end of the day, you can go back and you can say, did I practice these six habits? The first one is the importance of drinking water. That's the W, and I'll get deeper in a moment. The second one is always for outside, really simple, getting outside in the fresh air. The third one is the letter N, which is for no worries. It's your state of mind and how you balance and harmonize what's going on inside your head. That can involve many different things, and I will share some more, give a couple of really solid tips in a minute. D is for not nutritious foods, but delicious nutritious foods, because nobody's going to eat nutritious stuff if it doesn't taste good. So that's the letter D. E, really simple, is for exercise and the importance of how it interacts with everything in your life. And or is for rest and regeneration. 
So when you look at, at the word wonder, you can right away go and say, tech, tech, tech. Okay, these are the things I need to look at each day. And then you can just look at, at that simply, Rob. Or to convince yourself if you need to take the habit, you can go a little bit deeper. And I can share with you some examples. I mean, I, I can share with you a little story about a girl, Julie. Um, uh, and that's, uh, can I do that? I can, I can share with you about this. And then you can see, um, this was, this was, a couple of years ago, I had actually, uh, the first book that I wrote, um, I was at a, an event called Booktown in New Westminster. And when I was at the particular event, some parents came in and they, they listened to me speak and talk. And they came up to me afterwards and they told me about their daughter, Julie. Now, Julie, um, as a young lady, she loved playing, depends on what part of the world, you can say soccer or football. But she loved this activity. She loved playing football. But she was always getting headaches. I mean, she was a teenage girl, a young teenager. I believe she was like 12 or 13, so she was becoming a woman. She was getting headaches. They'd gone to the doctor. Nobody knew what was going on with her, but she was always having headaches and was driving her away from the activity that she loved to do. And her parents said that they'd gone to all kinds of people, nutritionists, of course, their doctor. They went to different therapists. They couldn't find a solution. And one day in frustration, they just went back to the doctor and said, nothing's working. Julie's still getting these headaches, and, and we're not sure what it is. And it was like a light bulb went on in the doctor. He said to them, well, you know what? Tell us, does she drink water? I mean, does she really hydrate her body? And she they said, actually, this is what they said. She doesn't drink, like, uh, you know, pop drinks, soda drinks, and stuff like that, or minerals, as we would say in Ireland. But, and she drinks milk, but no, she doesn't drink water. And he said, get her to drink water. Just get her to introduce it. And Julie, she was open to anything because she had a chance that she was going to be able to enjoy what she was doing. Robert was like, the parents told me, like, night and day. Her headaches went away. Now, drinking water is not the answer to everything. People can have many, many reasons why they need to drink water and many causes of headaches. I'm not a doctor. I don't pretend to be one in the intent or anywhere. But for this young lady, drinking water made a massive difference. And when I did seminars, I always remembered there was this nurse, Mary, she came to, I mean, I had nurses, doctors, people come to my seminars. And she, she said, uh, David, I mean, I, I'm here today and I recognized her. She was up in the front, she came in, because at the beginning of seminars, I'd always greet the people. I'd be there early and I would greet them so I could chat and see how they're doing. And she said, David, I'm back for the second time here. I heard you speak before. And let me tell you, I never realized how important, she was a nurse, Rob, how, how important it was to drink water. I used to have lots of headaches. I don't get them now. Now, this is this is really simple. Level. I can go deep on the impact of water, how, you know, for everything from people when they're trying to deal with fatigue, how their, you know, mental clarity to improve their creativity. There's lots of stuff here. So as, as I, you know, I pre-warned you that I can get deep, but Julius was a great example. Now, I mean, I'll move on to, to um, outside and why that's important. And it sounds so obvious, but again, it's so important. And I really, really want to take this message to many, many people because I think we really need to have this so that everybody's on the same level platform. I think that too many people are below sea level on the core principles of healthy living habits, unfortunately. You know, we're not above it. We're, we're, we're as many people, and this is why we have so many issues, whether it's issues with obesity, mental stress, depression, because we're not all on the level playing field because the information really isn't easy to understand. And it's it's like most people think to think it's great to make it more complex. So moving to the O, I, I would share with people, you know, this kind of story is like, uh, and I've done this at seminars, so I'll share it with you as if the people were jumping in to listen to a seminar. Every day, Rob, you know, we're in a room, okay? This room could be in your house. It could be in an office. You get into a mobile room, that's your car or the bus or the train. You move and you go into another room. And we're moving from room to room to room but we're spending very little time outside. And we need to be outside. There's many, many reasons why we need to be outside in fresh air, okay? We have to get outside into the fresh air. And in the fresh air, of course, we're getting exposed to the sunlight. Even if it's cloudy, there's a certain you know experience of, uh, of light that we're getting, the blue light that comes through during the day. This is the blue light that you want during the day, not at night when you're trying to go to sleep, but the blue light during the day, which stimulates your body to be alert. You get that when you're outside. In a lot of cases now, you're not getting that when you're inside. Plus, you're getting something that we're really, it's very obvious, you need the oxygen that we're getting when we're outside. And particularly, I would say to people as a little tip, 
And if we have time later, um, I've left out something about the water. I can give people a, a formula to help figure out how much water they should actually be drinking, which is quite different from, from other stuff. But to, in the interest of time, I'll, I'll keep moving. I recommend to people that they need to get outside every day. They need to get under the sun, like outside under the sun. Of course, not when it's a very hot periods of the time, but you know, in harmony. Don't be in the middle of the day when it's burning heat. And when you're outside, to touch the ground that's soft. Okay, when you're walking on soil, what's going on? Where are you? You're surrounded by trees and plants that are doing what? Producing oxygen. Now, if somebody doesn't believe me how important that is, take five minutes to go on Google and search the impact of traffic, air pollution, and asthma and, and different illnesses that come up. I cringe when I see people running in town by traffic because they may think that they're exercising their body, but they're actually at a higher respiratory level, Rob, and they're taking in a greater amount of polluted air than the person who's walking beside them. So being out in the fresh air is extremely important. Many people have said it, so it's probably not new to your listeners. Minimum 20 minutes a day. Myself personally, I mean, you didn't ask me, but every day, um, if I know I'm going to be inside, first thing in the morning after I do my morning routine, which we can share maybe now or another time, uh, what happens is I get up, I go for a walk. I go to get fresh air inside of me. Mm-hmm. and see the sun. I don't care if it's raining, it doesn't matter. Proper clothing, you don't have a problem with the weather. So you need to get outside and you need to get that into you. Sounds very simple, but this is how we are as humans. We have core things that we need to deal with. Okay. okay? And, I, and I definitely want to maybe don't jump on to the, the no worries piece. I know that's up next. And maybe that's one that we could go into a little bit more detail on just because I think this selfishly, I'm hoping, hoping people are in agreement with me. The water and the outside stuff, get, I probably get a good bit about that. I'd love yes. to hear some of the, the no worries concepts, I suppose, that you have to to do that. Because going back to your earlier points, we are living in a more frantic, stressful environment. And it's easy to say to somebody, you know, don't worry about it. It's, it'll be okay. It, it's very very hard to sometimes actually practice that, you know? Okay. Okay. I will give you a sample of um, a number of things. And uh, and I think the key thing I will start off is with a little story, actually, again, with Thomas Edison. Uh, and this story, Mr. Edison was once being interviewed. And when he was being interviewed, he was asked by a reporter, you know, how can you come up with all these different things? You know, I mean, he really was, he was the, the, the chief of many different people that were working on inventions. But they used to say, Edison, how, how do you do this? You know, how can you actually develop all these things, whether it's the light bulb, whether it's the record player and all these different things. And he said, and, and literally the story goes, whether it's true or false, but it fits within what Edison has uh, said, was like, you know what, I will tell you, but you're not going to listen. And he said, what most people need to do is they need to focus up. Focus on one solitary thing at a time, and they can manage their stress and anxiety by focusing on an action. Not a whole bunch of things, not multitasking, but focusing on one thing. So when I share it to people about the wonder technique, I would say pick one thing that you can work on. And I'm going to give you a couple of pieces inside of that so that they can maybe adapt to it. For example, there's an acronym which um, is not mine. I don't know the actual origin of it. I've seen it, but I haven't been able to find the hardened source. But I will say it's not mine. But I've kind of upgraded a little. It's hard for me to say upgraded. I've added to it. But I will, I, I will share it with you. When you're going to make a decision to manage your stress in your life, okay, when you're going to make a decision, you do not want to make a decision when one of these five things is going on for you, okay? So, People are listening, they might want to make a note and write this down. The first thing is when you're hungry. You don't want to try and make a decision, you know, should I take this job? Should I, you know, ask this lady out on a date? Should I buy this new car? Whatever it is that's on your mind. When you're hungry, you need to deal with that physiological thing. And the word we're going to deal with first, and I'm going to expand the word, is the word HALT, H-A-L-T. Okay, so write the word HALT down, and then I'm going to give you the extra letter because there's five now. So you're not, not hungry, okay? Avoid making decisions when you're hungry. Avoid making the decision when you're angry, when you're upset about something, you need to wait till that passes, okay? The next one is the letter L. When you're feeling lonely, when you're feeling left out, don't make a decision. Because you want to wait till you're past that emotional feeling, okay? And the next one is the letter T, is for being tired, okay? When you're feeling really fatigued, this is when we make very poor decisions. This is when we create conflicts and conversations. When we're hungry, this is the time not with your, you know, your loving partner to have a conversation when you're hungry, when you're angry, when you're feeling left out, when you're feeling tired, you're just going to do damage. This is, you don't, don't send an email, don't text anybody, don't phone anybody, 
takes place. Now, I recently, I, in my mind, I realized also there's another time which really is not included in this acronym, which is old and beautiful, HALT, is the letter S, which is for sick. If you're feeling sick, you can't make a good decision either. And it doesn't fit it within H-A-L-T. So I, you put the S in front and you get the old English word SHALT. It's like, I, I, thou shalt not make an error, okay? Yeah, so S-H-A-L-T, any of your listeners can just write that down. And next time they're going to make a decision, look at that, okay? I'm going to jump into something else here, um, particularly in the work environment, when you're trying to figure out making a decision, okay? So if you're not inside of Schalt, if you're not, you, you, and it's a good time for you to make a decision, I will suggest people use the four Ds, okay? And uh, easy for me to remember because my name is David, but the four Ds. The first thing is, is that when you get an email or a request from somebody, you want to look at it and say, okay, how do I deal with this? The first thing is, it's not for you, okay? So you can delegate it to somebody else. That's the first one. The second thing is, it may be for me, but not right now. It's not a top priority. It's, it's not, um, like, shall we say, urgent. It's important. So I'll put it on the side here, and I will defer it. Okay, so you've got, I'm going to delegate it. I'm going to defer it. The next thing is, it is for me. I've got to do it now. It's important. It's urgent. I've got to take care of it. So you do it. That's the third D. And the fourth one is, you probably know what this is now. It's just deleted. You're not obliged to take on someone else's to-do list, which often our email is. Somebody's giving you a task that they want you to take care of. You have to know where your boundaries are, know when to say yes, know when to say no. So that there, when you're in a good state of mind to make decisions, you're not in the Schalt experience, you can move on to using the 4Ds. And I welcome, I have an article on my website called the 4Ds. So if people didn't catch that down, they can search for it because there is a search bar on the Wonder Technique. Okay. And the Halts one, I definitely... Uh connected with it and i know when you were saying hungry and angry obviously you've probably heard the the hangry word that has been kind of a mishmash of those two combined together yeah. but the l and t is uh certainly additional there so it's good to good to see that yeah and i i, I like a word where it's actually a real english word yeah it can be because it doesn't get messed up because i know that there's some other words out there that are acronyms but are shall we say um they don't they don't make the sense in what you're intending to make like you yeah. know to have a wonderful life i wouldn't want the word to be sadness you know if that's the acronym for, for what i want trying to share it's kind of has to tie in the same energy um i'll share something else um and actually this is habits maybe if i if i have a moment to do that and then if you want um i can i can share another one that i created which is with regards to you know how to like achieve a goal okay and i can give you examples of that but the first thing is like I highly recommend because I, 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 you know, I've shared this with other people, but I'm, I'm a living practitioner of this. To manage my state of mind, the first thing I do in the morning when I get up, I have a journal. It's a common thing to do, but I write down 10 things that I'm grateful for, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, it doesn't have to be anything extraordinary. It can be the fact that I have fresher to breathe because not everybody in the world has that. It can be grateful that I'm, you know, happy for the health of my children. You will find 10 things, but what happens is you're already programming your day in a positive way before you get into the, you know, the, the river of all the other things that hit our lives. So you're starting the day on a positive note. Mm. Well, just, just to jump in on that one, and I, I've done journaling and continue to do it, but I think I'd asked somebody else before a similar question that do you... On on the every day of the sequential days, do you kind of look for different things to be grateful for, or is it still okay to say I'm grateful for this thing today? I was grateful for it yesterday. Is that okay? Does it have to feel right? Is there a rule? Go, I go by feeling. I actually go by feeling and intuition. So, but it, it doesn't always come up the same stuff. Some similar stuff will come up. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I you know you go you you kind of reflect back on what's happening and. I mean, I'm always grateful to be in good health. So that can be something I can affirm. And in the positive sense, if there's something that I'm planning on doing, you know, I will say I'm grateful for that I'm able to do this. Even though it's, notice I'm saying it in the present tense, but it might be something in the future. Because our brain doesn't really know the difference between time, past, present, and future. So, you know, um, if somebody's out there and they want to imagine that they're in the right relationship, in the right job, I'm enjoying the, the new relationship that I have with this person. Not I will enjoy because that's future tense. So you can be grateful for something that doesn't exist if you want. Mm -hmm. You're almost okay, so cre creating that reality potentially that that it could become real, right? 
Yeah, I'm being open to whatever pathway ends up there. So this is the first thing in the morning when I wake up. So I'm still in that, that state where I talked about Amelia Kui, tying a little bit back there. So my brain is still a little bit open. The only thing is, is I'm using a pen. I'm not using anything digital, and I'm writing it down. And as I write it down, you probably heard this before, so I'm reinforcing it, writing it as something else to our brains. When we read a book, we want to learn something. If we make notes as we read, we're going to learn information much, much at a deeper level mm-hmm. than if we, we just kind of read it. So there's a lot of stuff that are going on at the same time. And of course, I'm writing it, so I'm imprinting it. I'm almost verbalizing it, even though I'm saying it inside my head, and I'm seeing it at the same time. So there's a lot of different levels that are going on. And then I will move into the period of time, which some people would call their form of meditation, which is just literally training my mind to focus. And I don't use anything external because I don't want to be dependent. I've listened to people, Rob, have talked about that. Really, if you really want to be good at meditating, you don't want to use anything external. No apps. This is People are not going to like me on this one. People are selling apps. But... Um, or even promoting free apps or music or anything. No, it's to train the mind purely that you can go inside, focus on your breathing, and actually work on controlling your mind from dancing all over the place. That's the hardest part. Mm. I, I'm I, not good. Yeah. Go no, I would, I would agree there because I think, you know, you're not always going to have an app or a phone or, you know, a recording of a guided meditation that you can use as your potential go-to. And I think... If you go on long-term silent meditations or silent retreats, that all goes and it probably exposes people massively then when they're using those other digital solutions to get to that nice place. But then they go to a weekend retreat and realize all that's gone and they're just not able to deal with it potentially. Exactly. You're looking for an external thing when it needs it actually needs to come from the inside. And I know that there's there's different tools we can use. I mean, Thich Nhat Hanh wrote a wonderful book, Pieces Every Step, which is one of my favorite books. And, uh, you know, I mentioned to you when we, we talked before in the past, the whole idea of, you know, people can wash dishes and they can feel it's like a form of meditation. There's an external experience that leads them to that. You have that great idea that you mentioned before on your blog, but when you you know you dry your hands with a hand dryer, you know in a public washroom, it's bringing you back to the moment. But here the key is is to actually be able to put it. It's an internal switch that you have. So this to me, what I've learned, listened to people. I'm I'm a constant learner. When I've listened to people that are you know been meditating for years and and a very good peace of mind, the key is as they say, it's it's an internal job. It's not an external thing. That's that you can start that way. Sure, you can, and that is wonderful to do. But ultimately, what you're working towards is that. Okay. Um, if I may, um, if you're okay, I can give you another thing. I'm going to give you a little bit of a, a side story, and, and then give you another acronym to your readers that I came up with, uh, that I developed, and um, it's about you know achieving something that you want to achieve in your life. Yeah. Okay? Go for it. Go for okay. it. Okay, I'm enjoying now, this because I'm doing very little talking on this one, so that's good. Like, so. <laughs> sorry, okay. that's, that's that's fine. That's I'm a good listener, as I said. So yeah, yeah, you are very good. You're very good. I don't know if you've ever heard of Alex Honnold. Does that ring a bell? Alex, what's his second? Honnold. Honnold. H O N M O L D. Doesn't ring a bell, but I'm sure it maybe it might do when I hear what it's associated with. Okay, Alex is uh, he's about 32 years of age now. He is the world's best free climber. Oh, okay. Free climber means he climbs rocks, no rope, no cord, just a chalk bag, his feet and his hands. Right. Okay. Yeah. And what's you uh, big walls like the, the he crested? Um, I think it was 2017, uh, May of 2017. He climbed uh, in Yosemite Park in the U.S. Now get a load of this: 2,900 feet or about 1,000 meters. The rock El Capitan. Yeah. This is free climbing, and it is he's like a speck on the rock. Now, why am I mentioning that? It's because if you listen to him when he's being interviewed, he's a very low-key, relaxed guy, but he has an enormous control over his mind. Mm-hmm. Now, he's been rock climbing since he was 10, so it's not like he can just get out and do this. But when I listened to him, last time I listened to him, actually, he was being interviewed. The interviewer didn't really get what Alex was telling him. He was saying, before I climb the wall, really, Okay, free soul. I visualize every step so that when I'm on there, it's routine, it's choreographed, even though I've never done it before. He will go up there with a rope and everything to church, find a route, but he doesn't get out there and just go do it. Now, why am I telling you this story? Because 
I believe that over the years, many, many different people understand the power of visualization in that. But I'm going to throw in a little bit of an acronym here again, this is because of my favorite, okay? And, and the pathway to doing this is, is visualize, imagine, action. So VIA. VIA, of course, if I remember correctly, when the Italian people are listening will correct me if I'm wrong on this. VIA, I believe, is the Italian word for road, okay? So it's like the pathway. Okay. Yeah. So once again, David, looking for words that kind of make sense, and visualize. The first thing is before you want to achieve what you want to do in life, you have to actually visualize yourself doing it. Okay. You want to visualize what exactly it is. Pardon me. What you want to do. Okay. And really have it very clear in your mind. Then what you do is you reverse engineer from being in that space. Like in other words, you're actually in that relationship, in that job. You know, whatever it is, driving that car, doing that marathon, you, you, you know what it is and you visualize it. Then you walk backwards from that to the point of where do I start? Then you imagine all the steps. Just imagine Alex, he's before he's going to climb this. You know, he looks up and he says he wants to do this. Then he has to imagine all the steps he's going to have to take. And there's an enormous amount of practice that, that takes place there before the last letter a for action before you actually take the action this is why when we watch people whether they're superstars in any sport and it's like how do they do this so easy mm. it's because everything came before and it came in the mind mm. and when i guess when he explains that or or anyone does that with a, a great degree of ex expertise for maybe that's a bad word but What's the time frame in that they're actually going through that visualization? So is he, it might take a him year. He took it. Look, you know, he'd been dreaming about for Alex. He was dreaming about this since he was a young man, but he said he took a year of planning. Right. Now he's been rock climbing free. He's done over, I think uh, 4,000 free climbs in his life. And that's only 5% of the rock climbing that he's done. If I remember correctly, I mean, people can correct me on this. So it's a small portion of what he does, but he loves doing that. But even for an expert, he did yeah. a year of planning. Can you imagine? Mm. Wasn't he just didn't jump out there? Many people, the, the mystery is, is they look at people that achieve stuff in the world, and it doesn't matter what it is, and they think it happened overnight. It doesn't happen. Yeah, but even even more micro than that, if he's going to do that rock in Yosemite Park, and he knows it's going to, if he was to do it, it might take three hours to climb it. Does he visualize when you say every step? Does he does he almost visualize that every step? And, and it, it could take an hour, two hours in his own mind to, to just completely walk through it mentally. Did he kind of go into that sort of approach or does he do it rapidly through his mind so that he's actually give that sense of having it done? Well, that's a question I think you're going to have to ask Alex. I know that when he was being interviewed that I heard him, he said that he, to the interviewer, I can explain to you looking at the video because they were showing a video because they're making a documentary on this climb. He said, I can explain to you exactly what steps I'm taking right from the bottom to the top. Oh. So he met, he has it burned into his memory that much. Yeah. So it's like a living experience. This is the best information I can offer you to Rob. So what I'm saying, how can people re-engineer that in their minds when they want to do something that's, you know, probably most likely is out of their comfort zone because otherwise they've already done it, is you need to actually really have it almost choreographed in your mind. Not in a fake way, but in a very positive way. And you know what? If you really aren't committed to what you're going to do, you are not going to do it. People won't write down their goals every day if they're not goals that they want to achieve. They will stop doing it. This is why so many people give up on things. They're not completely committed to it. I know that uh, I've read this before, and uh, um, the gentleman who wrote The One Minute Manager, his name will come to me in, in a few moments, uh, he's, he wrote an article called, and I, and I referred to it once in, um, on my website, Are You Interested or Are You Committed? So many people, Rob, are interested in improving their personal development. They want to get better at something, but they're not committed. If it Does it mean that you're going to have to change the environment of people that are around you because it's not a healthy environment? Are you committed enough that you're going to have to break out of that experience to make your life better? Not many people actually are. They want to. They're thinking about it. How many people, you know, spend months or years or a lifetime learning personal development, listening to seminars, you know, listening to people like me, and then never actually putting it into practice? I would, yeah, absolutely. I think that that's the key thing. It's the um, turning the interest into an actual commitment because I think what probably happens, and I know through my own coaching as well, is that people get very interested in the first couple of sessions, but then they fade away because of 
the hard work starts then you know the real yes, the real work happens and the real commitment and discipline is needed uh and that's it it's not all feeling good as you go through that process it's uh it's, it can be difficult and challenging so i absolutely agree yeah i think robin you're really right because you actually you know what let's put it this way you get an infection in your body it's just the example if you eat something that's bad to get that out of your system, you're going to throw up. It's either going to come out of your mouth, it's going to come out of your, your bum, okay? Pardon me. But it's going to come out of you some way, or it's going to come out through your skin if it's, a, it's something that comes out through the skin. You're going to go through a painful experience or a not a good feeling to cleanse that experience. So when you have mental challenges and things you're going through, the pathway, as some people refer to it, the dark night of the soul, and that's not my phrase, um, and somebody else's and thank them for, for that phrase. We, and there is a darkness that we go through and it's not going to be easy. There's a painful experience. And if we avoid that transition, we're never going to get to the next level. And I think that we're all, if I may say, um, I really, really believe in the capacity of us as human beings. I mentioned before the talk that maybe we could touch a little bit on artificial intelligence mm. and how we need to really build up ourselves um, into the world that we're moving in. And I, I, I have great faith in the, in the capacity of us human beings, like Alex Honnold, I just mentioned, he's one human being who can do that. Why not all of us? Because he has trained himself to do that. And, 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 and people can train themselves to be remarkable, but are we willing to do that? Instead of becoming dependent externally on different things, like I mean, we're externally dependent now on what we call our second brain, like the smartphone. You know, when's the last time that you memorized the map and went in your car as against using a GPS? And when you do those sort of things, okay, these are, you know, when you train your brain, for example, there's lots of ways you do it. When you want to learn a new language, and let me tell you, it was a rough path for me to learn a second language, but I had to learn a second language because I moved to a country where I didn't speak the language. Uh, that's another story, things to avoid. Uh, but um, what happens is, is that you, you're forced to grow new neurons inside your brain, you literally grow your brain mm -hmm. when you're learning new things. And and so if people, you know, decide that they're gonna clean their, their teeth tonight with the, the, their left hand if they're right-handed, when you force yourself to do something that's uncomfortable, when you force yourself to go to a location and memorize the map instead of using your GPS, you're actually helping stress your brain in a positive way. This is called eustress, E-U-S-T-R-E-S-S, which is the opposite of distress. Distress is when you don't have enough tools to manage your situation, okay? You have naturally stress in our body. We stress all the time, but there's positive stress and there's negative stress. And I think that we really need to prepare ourselves in a world that we're moving forward rapidly into where there will be, as um, I don't know if you've, if you've read uh, any of his books, uh, Yuval Noah Harari wrote a book called um, Sapiens, Homo Sapiens, but the book's called Sapiens. And he has another book that he published last year, which is called Homo Deus. And what the key thing he talked about in there, and this is scary, and it's it's he intends it to be scary to kind of wake people up. We have a potential moving into a world, Rob, which is of people that are called useless people, not because they're not loved by their family and friends, and I'm quoting you well, but because they don't have a function in society because they're not prepared. And we we need we can no longer let ourselves become more and more dependent on external things. We need to become more and more resilient in our capacity to use the tools that we have inside of us and to use them effectively and not to try and hack our way out of them. Like, you know, can I get away from not eating foods? Can I, you know, can I supplement my way from that? Can I avoid sleep? Like, you know, I, I could I could drive you not crazy, but so much information about people that try to hacking sleep and then we recognize you're damaging yourself. Okay, these people are, they think that they were getting away and it was a hero's badge, but they're damaging themselves. People who allow themselves to be become dehydrated, not spend time outdoors, not eat the right foods. So this is going back to the winter technique. I, I just really want to pull people back onto the fundamental level and say, listen, we need to work on this because all of this ties into, because the only way that we're going to continue to make a difference as human beings in the short time that we have left here, you and I chatting here, when we move forward into a world where there's more and more power that's given to machines that we have created ourselves, is we need to become very adaptable, okay? We need to become very creative, and we need to make sure that we're very useful, okay? And then we need to actually eliminate those things in our lives 
that no longer are supportive to us because we really want to be on top form. So these are all the things that as we move forward, because when we start to give more and more capacity to artificial intelligence, and it's probably not the right time to get into that because I have a, a certain knowledge of the different types, whether it's artificial specific or narrow intelligence. And then when you're talking about general intelligence and artificial generalized intelligence, there's, there's different worlds out there. Like our phones are just narrow intelligence. It's not uh, generalized intelligence. But we're moving to a world where we're giving more power to the computers that we will lose our positions in time because the work may no longer be available. So we have to become creative and adaptive and allow ourselves that we will have multiple careers potentially in our lives because we have the, the world is changing so rapidly. We don't know what the world is going to be like 15, 20 years from now. So we, we have to build in the tools and we have to get up to the level where we have strategies in place that empower us to deal with that. And that this is the fundamentals are the wonder technique. There's, there's no, there's no hacking out of that system. Yeah. No, it's true. A, a couple of things just before one or two last questions, but the, yeah, the, away. um, it's interesting what you've said about the lack or there's no hacking or shortcuts. And I think when I started the podcast early last year and have talked to 50, 60 people since then, and we, it's become very, very apparent that there is no shortcuts, that there's lots of ways to improve and ways to do things better but but and there's brilliant techniques like the wonder technique but but there's all a series of steps that you need to take and do on a regular basis ongoing to actually make those changes um, any other kind of short-term fixes are, are not really sustainable so so i think that's consistent uh, which is great from from what you're saying what others are saying just on the ai piece yeah. One of the other areas that is very fascinating to me, and I did a, a talk with a guy last year on the podcast, John C. Havens is his name. He has a couple of books out. You should check it out. He uh, It's all about the ethics that uh, surrounds wow. AI, which is oh a whole gosh. other conversation. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Another day's work, maybe. But, but I think we're only beginning to realize some of the ethical challenges that we're, we're facing when it comes to AI and autonomous cars and, you know, the decisions those things will have to make when they're driving down the road and have to crash into, uh, you know, a group of kids or swerve to hit an old woman. So something random like that is the, the classical ethical questions that are coming up um, and so much more to come, I guess, on that. Uh, Rob, I'm going to add, if I may, to your, I would love to hear your listeners' feedback on the following analogy. I, I know what you're referring to, Steve. You know, the, the car hitting the elderly lady or 10 children at the side of the road, who should it choose? But hopefully I will explain this simply and and ask your listeners to kind of look at this idea. You, I, I, I'm, I don't know if you've seen them, plenty of people have the idea that they have, and it's an idea of artificial intelligence. They have a vacuum that's at home and it's automatic. It's like it's a robo vacuum. It rolls around. Uh, in Ireland, there might be a version, might be like a Hoover. So it goes around on its own and it vacuums, Okay. So it's clearly a robot, it's artificial intelligence, it knows what furniture is, it goes around and does the floor. Okay, that is a robot, we can see it as a robot. But take that robot, build it out so that it looks like your girlfriend, okay? Imagine that. It looks like your girlfriend, it speaks like your girlfriend, it sounds like your girlfriend, it knows you like your girlfriend. Okay, so this is a artificial intelligence, a human being, but it's not a human being, it's a robot. Okay, ask, I ask the listeners just to kind of think about that concept. And somebody comes into your house, a friend of yours, and unplugs that machine. How would you feel? Because emotionally, we tend to be very attached to things. And if I've explained this clearly, if you identify with, you know in one way this is not my girlfriend, but how do we deal with the ethics of that? Is that a still a machine? That's one of the questions that we have, and we have no idea as human beings how to deal with that. I hope the story was clear, but I've been running around in my mind those kind of scenarios as to how do we deal with the stress of that, and how do we keep things separate in our minds because we are human beings, homo mm. sapiens, and then there's machines, and where is the crossover? And and the other thing is, you know, are we working in partnership or are we we running into a position where we're afraid of where the machines will go? It's a huge complex story. But that's that, that all is managing our stress. And, because you know what? If we're if we're hungry, angry, lonely, tired, or sick, and we're trying to make decisions about ethics of um, artificial intelligence, good luck. 
know? Yeah, well, so, I will I will say when you kind of talked through that question and came to the end of it, and when you said about the plugging out part, I, I felt something that <laughs> trigger almost a sadness in me that, that shouldn't have happened, you know? So it did oh, did wow. bring up that. So it'd be interesting if others, others kind of got something like a similar reaction or maybe they weren't because you're kind of connecting obviously something that someone that's very important to the person and uh if you can just unplug that it's um there's a definitely a, an emotive connection so very yeah. very interesting dave we're, we're at the hour mark and i'm going to have have to wrap up unfortunately because i know I, I said it earlier i have to actually be somewhere myself in, in the next uh, 20 minutes or so like i know we before we talked you were half concerned that we wouldn't have enough uh t- enough content to talk about i think we're only getting going in some ways um it, it's been really really interesting david to to hear about the wonder technique and, and the other acronyms just you know acronyms seems to be very important for you is there a, a reason that acronyms stand out for you yes because <laughs> to help my memory <laughs> because i've got so much going on in my mind i just tend to be thinking about lots of things at once and the only way to focus things is for me to capture the information and make it simple for me to remember yeah yeah so the, the, and and when i do that it distills the information and it forces me to crystallize so over the years i've given away a lot of information about well, i'm not giving away but information that i used to share i've kind of researched and all that's not really as strong and powerful so i will sweep it away so i'm taking a piece of coal and making it like a crystal like a diamond so the acronyms are really important for me because it, it forces me to actually think about the topic and make sure i'm very clear on what i'm sharing very good perfect so so david look how do people get in touch want to know more about the wonder technique maybe work with you i know you do pre, um keynotes you, you do uh seminars it'd be great to just take a couple of minutes there to give a shout out on how they can get in touch thank you very much rob actually simply and it's really simple with me i like to make it simple just my website the wonder technique.com t-h-e-w-o-n-d-e-r-t-e-c-h-n-i-q-u-e.com you'll find me i don't I've stopped using other social media and that to manage my life better. And Good so idea. people can interact with me that way. And my passion uh, is really to pr- be pr- present in front of people. Uh, so I love doing seminars, keynotes and that. So if people are interested, just connect with me and we can have a conversation and have a chat and see if I can find a way to help. I, I, that will be an honor. Uh, but the one clear way is that way and uh, people can phone me. We'll have a chat on the phone. Uh, it's not a problem. I find that uh, as humans, I really like to keep that the voice-to-voice contact or the in-person contact as a priority. Excellent. No, that's great. And I know you've been kind enough to give a special offer for folks listening. Ah, yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. I have it here. You said if, if uh, folks email you uh, uh, that have listened to the podcast and put in the subject, Rob of the Green, as uh, as that subject line, you will then reach out. And I think you have a free copy of... Uh, of a guide that you could share? Yes, so it's an electronic book, uh, electronic book, 19 Steps to Reduce Stress and Increase Your Health and Wellness. And I will send them that at no charge. If they mention Rob of the Green in the subject line, I will give that to you. And there's also complimentary videos that I've made that, that I can direct them to as well. So yeah, and each one of those 19 steps is something you can just adapt. And actually, um, you know what, I would like to share one of those steps as a, as a closing thing. Because Go for it. It's, 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 it's called what I like about, and actually it came from my own life, and, and I think we can always apply it in business, is that w- imagine if you had a business meeting, and at the beginning of the meeting you were to sit down and tell everybody in the room what you actually like about them. It could be something simple. You know, I like the way that you take the time to say hello to me every morning. I like the way that you make sure that you fill the coffee pot when you're the last person to do it. It can be at home. You can say to your children, you know, I like the way the fact that you, you take the time to say hi when you come in the door. It doesn't matter. But it's to it's just a simple way of honoring other people and showing gratitude for their presence, and it only can lead to beautiful things. Absolutely agree. Do something similar in meetings myself to try and start the the, the meeting off on a positive step with uh, with gratitude and thanks. So I, I completely get that one, um, David. Brilliant to talk to you. Uh, I think you My have pleasure. an awful lot of knowledge and wisdom there to share, and I'm sure that's really came across well on the uh, the hour or so we've talked. And I'm sure people will enjoy, and hopefully they'll reach out 
uh, to you as a result. Excellent. Thank you very much for your time, Rob. It's been an honor to have this opportunity. No, likewise. And thanks again. We'll, we'll keep in touch. Okay. I hope I didn't make you late for your appointment. All the best. <laughs> Take care. Thanks, David. Thank you, then. Bye-bye. So how did you find it? A good show? Hopefully. Do take a second or two to let me know. And before you do, dive off just a couple of quick call-outs. The new podcast, the 864, 15 minutes long, in fact, 864 seconds is the aspiration, is now out and ready for listening. Check it out on the site. Go to the podcast page. There's a link for 864 there. Or go on to Apple Podcasts and subscribe. That would be awesome. The 864 is all you have to search for. And it's in all other podcast platforms that you can think of or should be. So, have a listen. Every week I release a One Minute Monday video clip, which is also a tip to hopefully make you 1% better. Check that out. It's on the website on the video page. Did you also know that only about 1% of listeners to podcasts, not just my own but all, leave a rating, leave a review, get in touch or give feedback and I would love if we could book that trend and put it to 2% for this one. So please do take the time to give me a bit of feedback, give me some ideas about future guests or whatever the hell comes into mind. Just get in touch or rate or review the podcast on apple that helps i'm available at all of the social platforms pretty much all at rob of the green that's either with or without the at sign but you'll find it under that moniker so hopefully i'll hear from you there last couple of quick ones support so i do offer some pro bono coaching get onto the website the support page to get in touch few hours a month happy to do that and if you would like to support the podcast that would be awesome you can do so through patreon and also through purchasing books through the book page on the website that goes through amazon and we get a little percentage i'm not even sure what but it's something and finally just to say thanks for taking the time to listen to the podcast i know there's lots of other shows out there it means a lot that you're checking this one out so have a great rest of day week month year whatever it may be and hopefully you're getting one percent better as a result of these shows take care and good luck